0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew another revolution for our liberties. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house on Thursday, the 16th of December, to guide you through. That revolution. This does happen to be the 248th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. Yes, that was a glorious day. They took several hundred chests of tea and they said, shove it to Great Britain. Mind you, they were not forcing them to drink the tea. They were not forcing them to inject the tea in their body. They were not taking away their property. They were not injecting them with poison covering their nose and mouths. They weren't denying them care. They weren't creating a virus and foisting it upon them. Indeed, when you look at the causes of the Revolutionary War, they don't come up to the fingernail of the magnitude of what is confronting us today by our own tyranny. But the difference is this tyranny is within. They're everywhere. They have so much power, police power, whereas King George was overseas John Adams wrote in his diary, the people should never rise without doing something to be remembered. Something notable and striking. That's what he wrote about the Tea Party. Um, I I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that looks like now. I mean, it would be funny to have a kind of, you know, ceremony dumping the stuff into the water. But they would arrest us and, like, throw us in a dungeon and execute us in three seconds because... Again, they're here, they're not overseas, Um, but perhaps if we had a governor and a state lead some sort of rebellion, I'm here to tell you today that now is the time, as we wind down this year, we only have uh, two days left together, uh, but I will be on Rumble um, to guide you guys through hopefully the next two weeks with just some short little video clips, informal Uh, Just because our producers are taking off. But I am not. Believe me, I'm going to keep fighting. Um, And uh, this is, yeah, I mean, it's going to be her with Citizen Sanctuary on Rumble. Uh, I haven't used the channel in a while. But anyway, now is the time when we need a Stalingrad. We need an Iwo Jima. An Okinawa. In other words, a fight to the death. You're not going to convince these people, you're not going to set a red line, well, look, if, if it fails beyond this point, or you have this number of hundred, and th- hundred thousands of thousands uh, uh, of vaccine injuries and deaths, then they're going to admit you have this amount of data showing ivermectin works and other stuff. No, they're not going to change. They know this and they're doing it anyway. You have to use the power you have that you could obtain, whether it's a governor, whether it's in a legislature, whether it's in a court, whether it's private, your influence over an institution, a community, people just saying no, always, this is a, like a Krav Maga battle. The, the recognition in Stalingrad, the reason why I use Stalingrad or Okinawa as an example, because those were examples where the enemy was, made it very clear they're not going to give up. They're going to fight to the last man. Literally, in the island of Okinawa, there was not a single Japanese person left alive. Not one. And and that was their only choice. The, The U.S. military's only choice was to fight to the death. We have to beat them with brute force. Use force in every possible way to fight this. Throw it in the river. It's time to stop the ambiguity on our side about COVID fascism and kick it into high gear as we head into the new year and the legislative sessions. Now, look, today's show is going to be packed with information and data and science. Um, But what I'm telling you is we need that. We need that to give over to people that are mainly on our side, people that are in the middle. But ultimately, you have to do something with it. You're not going to marvel people with intellect. That's not what this fight is about. It's all about power. And our first sponsor today, our friends at Birch Gold, look, you know, it's not just the fact that they're bankrupting us and the money is funny money and gold has always been a good hedge against that. It's also the fact that, let's face it, when we invest in all these stocks, we're giving money to the people who hate us. I mean, you know, all the mutual funds that I have my money in, you know, what are the top uh, holdings, you know, places like Microsoft and Apple. Um, that's the bottom line. Uh, now is the best time to invest in precious metals. There's a lot of different companies out there. Birch Gold has an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, countless five-star reviews from thousands of customers. Learn today how you could protect your hard-earned savings particularly by using a little-known section of the IRS tax code to legally move your IRA or 401k into precious metals with no tax implications or penalties. To get started on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account, request a free info kit from Birch Gold. They'll explain it all to you. Text the word DANIEL to 989898. That's text DANIEL for your 20-page kit on how to move your IRA or 401k out of volatile stocks and bonds. DANIEL to 989898. Okay, folks, so I'm really excited to share with you um, a study from a Columbia University researcher. And, you know, obviously we throw around a lot of data, everyone throws around their facts. The reason why this is so satisfying is it's because it's the only study that has actually looked properly at all-cause mortality and excess mortality in 22 European countries and the United States using European data plus in the United States he used CDC and census data. And this is the best way to vet out the lies. The biggest thing the biggest thing that people aren't getting now is how many people are dying from COVID, who is dying, at what rate, what trend, and then who's dying of the shots. And if you would take a look at that, what you would see is a pattern that demonstrates That the shots make the virus much more virulent. They make people more vulnerable to them, particularly in the first month or so after they get the shot. Then it has a couple months of illusory protection from the virus that it enhanced. That wouldn't have been enhanced if you wouldn't have had the shot. And then it goes back to not working. And there are so many more shot-related deaths. So when you look overall at the harm this thing has done, both in terms of enhancing COVID and in terms of its own injuries, and this is just short-term before we get to the mounting evidence of autoimmune diseases for the long-term and cancers, this is just, you know, this study goes through August. August. It is an unmistakable trail of death. Okay? Remember, the one way to find the truth is to look at all-cause mortality. As Benjamin Franklin said, the only things that are certain in life are death and taxes. So, So we do count deaths unless we stop doing that. And you could take a look at that. And so off the bat, I'm just gonna tell you, it's simply remarkable that with a few weeks left to the year, do you know that we already have more mortality in the United States, all age, all age, all cause, this year than last year? And that is unbelievable because last year was the year of the pandemic without any of the shots. How could it be this year we have the monoclonals, we have all the treatments? Well, part of the answer is we're, you know, downright declaring war on some of them, obfuscating the truth about others, you know, not making them available. But we have all this and we have all the shots and we have more mortality than last year, not just the five-year average, than last year. That is a fact that you cannot get around. That is a simple fact. As I said yesterday, 128,000 COVID deaths the last three months of this year, compared to about 88,000 in 2020, a 45% increase. So what we have here is a, a an unmistakable increase, an unmistakable genocide, both from the virus that it clearly enhanced it, and clearly a lot of people died from the shot as well. So this individual, Spyro Pentazatos, um He's like a neurobiology professor at Columbia University um, Medical Center. Okay, pretty prestigious place. He also had uh, some sort of Israeli researcher that helped him with this. And if you want to look it up, it's on ResearchGate. That's, you know, it's a preprint. It's not a peer-reviewed, but peer-reviewed is corrupt anyway. ResearchGate, the title is COVID Vaccination and Age Stratified All-Cause Mortality Risk and he does what nobody has been willing to do take a look at at what it what is its efficacy on covid and what's its efficacy on um you know well the not efficacy but its its danger of of safety you know dying from the shots and he gives people a cost benefit analysis and it's very balanced and it it demonstrates exactly what all of our micro-observations are indicating. It puts it all together. When you understand the mechanism of, of action of these shots, it all makes sense. It has terrible devastation mixed with an illusory efficacy for some people for a short period of time. But overall, it makes it like hell. So again, if you compare vaccinated to unvaccinated, and you ignore the fact that it kills people from the shot itself, and you just look at COVID in a vacuum, you will find the vaccinated doing better than the unvaccinated. Even though plenty of the vaccinated die, its efficacy is extremely shoddy, but you know it will be better than not having it in a vacuum if you ignore the risk and ignore the long-term problems. Except You will also find something interesting. If you compare the vaccinated era to the pre-vaccinated era of COVID deaths, the vaccinated era will do much, much worse. So you see the perfect illusory scam here. It makes it all worse and then gives a little bit of efficacy to what it made worse for those who had it. Well, all along, it's kind of like the cycle of government. It's emblematic of what government typically does, economically. They, they create programs, they create regs, market distortions, make something expensive that people can't afford it, and then they're like, hell, oh, here's a handout. And then people feel they need the handout. Well, what if we wouldn't have done this at all? Where would we have been? And I am almost positive we would have never had Any of this, you know, I'm not saying we wouldn't have had COVID left after the winter of 2021, but certainly I do not believe we would have had this terrible, terrible devastation um, of of the last number of uh, months, where we've seen just death beyond belief. Again, the amount of people that I've gotten treatment for uh, in their 30s and their 40s that have had their blood oxygen levels drop. This was not happening before. This is a terrible devastation. So I want to get to the study. Again, we're sponsored today by America's only Christian conservative mobile provider, Patriot Mobile, our longtime partner. Um, They actually believe in giving service without sending your money to those who hate America, hate family values, hate the Constitution. Uh, Patriot Mobile has the broadest nationwide coverage. They use the same towers as as the major carriers. Plus, they have 100% U.S.-based customer service team, so you don't have to sit and speak to foreigners every time you – oh, my gosh, Verizon is so evil every time I used to call them. Um, more importantly, they share your values. They actually give money to uh, causes fighting for religious freedom, the Constitution, sanctity of life, veterans, first responders. If you go to patriotmobile.com CR or call 972-PATRIOT, you could act, get free activation with offer code CR – uh, special discounts for veterans and first responders. I know we have a lot of them in our audience. Again, PatriotMobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. So again, Spiro um, this Columbia University researcher. So what he did was he he compared region to region variation in vaccination rates to predict correlation and, and future mortality rates, okay? So, and then, then he broke them down by six age-stratified groups in 22 European countries and then eight stratified age groups in the U.S., so he had two different data sets. And what's what very satisfying about it is the two really complemented each other. And he had four or five very stark findings that cut to the core questions of this debate. I'm just going to read to you excerpts from it, but again, you could find it yourself. It's titled COVID Vaccination Age-Stratified All-Cause Mortality Risk. For ages above 14, meaning 14 until 100, right? There is a positive association, correlation, between vaccination and mortality rates during the first few weeks of vaccination, meaning increased death correlates with higher vaccination if you track the first few weeks and this this um tracks very closely with what we've seen that it actually suppresses your immune system so there's there's two reasons so what, what we're noticing and, and other studies have have shown this that you see an uptick in death an uptick in death during that first period they peg it here, some, some peg it 28 days from the second shot, two weeks from the second shot, or six weeks from the first shot. But that window, A, you're, that's when you're going to have the most people with the most serious injuries from the shot. And then also from COVID, it suppresses your immune system and you're more vulnerable to COVID. And they brilliantly count it among the unvaccinated. But reality shows it's the vaccine that's actually causing it so we're seeing this in all-cause mortality. Again, he looked at all-cause mortality tracked by country, tracked from February to August. So you see a timeline, correlated it with the vaccine rates at a given time and in a given place. Okay, it was a very thorough study. Then, of course, they found near zero or negative association, meaning a little bit of efficacy, a little bit lower death, than, than, than the baseline rate five to six weeks after the vaccination until about four to six months after the vaccination, and then it went backwards again from what he found after week 20, which, yeah, week 20 is about five months. Again, it, what's very satisfying about his all-cause mortality is because it jives with what all the studies have been showing. Okay, it has um, negative efficacy up front, plus all the people dropping dead up front from the shot. It has after twenty weeks, it goes negative again too. In between, it has a degree of efficacy, but what he describes as zero to um, to you know slightly negative. And, and the reason why this is so satisfying, in a this is a very broad macro study, because the micro studies show the same thing. Again, we've said this over and over again. You're going to hear a lot of data thrown at you. But the bottom line is there's only one study on the vaccine that matters. And that is the actual six-month all-cause mortality follow-up on Pfizer and Moderna, both published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And when you put them together, there are 33 all-cause deaths, meaning how— How many died at the end of the day? 33 in the placebo group, 38. I might be one number off. I don't have it in front of me, but it's roughly that. 38 in the trial group. Slightly more people actually died in the trial group. And what that means is that the reason is because there's a certain slight degree of help against COVID but then it's offset by the periods of times where you have ADE and then offset even further by the injuries from the actual vaccine, which make it a net loser. And then I would argue, and and he's gonna show this, there's greater death among the unvaccinated correlating with this. One is because it could be it's spiking people and shedding, but I I think what's more obvious is just the fact of the the um you know, suboptimal evolutionary pressure that's creating this this greater, um, you know, more virulent mutations that we're seeing. And 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 again, I could tell you from a treatment standpoint, the difference between this virus pre-vaccine leakage and post is a world of a difference. Okay, once in a while, you'll have someone particularly elderly with comorbidities that ha- had it horribly before, and certainly there were, but mainly that was it. Now, I mean, this thing is roping in a ton of younger people. And again, we're seeing that. We're seeing that if you look at all-cause mortality, we're seeing that younger people die from the shots. But also, um, again, still overwhelmingly, it's age gradient. But if you want to compare the um, death rate from COVID for 30, 40-year-olds now versus last year, it's exponentially higher. And that was all caused by the shot. He finds some other very interesting findings here. For the unvaccinated age group 0 to 14. I want you to hear that again. Unvaccinated because, you know, through the duration of the study it only went through August. And by the way, that didn't didn't include most of the devastation we've had since then. Unvaccinated age group 0 to 14. Kids, they didn't they didn't have access to the shots. It wasn't available to them. By definition, they're all unvaccinated. Most associations between mortality and vaccination in adults are positive. The tendency for positive correlations, meaning higher mortality, increases from the week of vaccination until week 18 after vaccination then disappears. So for the first 18 weeks, that's about four and a half months from an uptake in a vaccination period, There's higher death in the unvaccinated children. It indicates indirect adverse effects of adult vaccination on mortality of children ages 0 to 14 during the first 18 weeks of vaccination. The Euromomo.eu data, that's how he did the European data, also reveal an unexpected increase in mortality in children with adult vaccination rates in the previous period. It is notable that this indirect adverse vaccination effect was independently observed in both CDC and uranoma datasets. So both in the U.S. and European data, the majority of deaths under 18 years old occur in infants. Okay? It's very interesting. The model estimated 667 infant deaths in the U.S. during the month of August. The month of August 2021 may be attributed to vaccinations. In July 2021, well, 1,227 deaths were estimated overall in the 0 to 17 age group. 667 infant deaths. That is a stunning result. We've seen the signals from British Columbia. This hospital had like 14 stillborns in one day. You see, Scotland has their alarm bells went off that they they dip below a certain safety signal where basically their infant mortality has gone back to 1980s levels, which makes no sense. So what he's saying, I know some of you are thinking, oh, you know, are the vaccinated killing children with the spike? And is it shedding? I don't know. And I don't think he's showing that. What he seems to be showing, it's coming from infants. And he has an entire supplementary supplementary discussion on this at the end proving why it has to be the shots and not other factors um but it it, it makes sense i mean all these pregnant women and then ch- women of childbearing age that then you know got pregnant afterwards there is no question remember yesterday we had robert malone inventor of mRNA vaccines, on the show. And he said, when I asked him a pointed question, which safety signal of all of them keeps you up most at night? And he said, the reproductive issues. When you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of women having menstrual irregularities, I personally know several that have had that, that's not, that's not normal. There's no way that doesn't portend reproductive issues doesn't mean every one of them is going to have the problem but out of a pool of a lot of them uh, that happening there's got to be something wrong there there's a complete blackout on it because again you know at the end of the day it's still relatively small numbers even if it could be a huge increase in infant mortality stillborns whatever but that is never going to be traced back and it's never going to be in the news because they've covered up more blatant safety signals So that's another enormous finding of this all-cause mortality. Let me continue. Likewise, the Euromomo data also suggests a tendency for adverse effects caused by the vaccine in those above age 14 beginning 20 weeks after the first injection. So this is on the waning side of it, potentially indicating that uh, uh, antibody-dependent enhancement, ADE, or another related effect kicks in after protective vaccine effects dissipate. Our U.S. results show an age-related temporal pattern that is consistent with the mass vaccination campaign that first targeted nursing homes and older age groups. Vaccination predicts total deaths in ages older than 75 in early 2021 and then younger ages later in the year. There appears to be no other explanation for this other than a casual link between vaccination and mortality risk. In other words, what he's trying to say is he didn't just do a macro all-cause mortality. He looked at patterns week by week. He looked at six to eight different age stratified cohorts. He looked at the U.S. data. He looked at the European data. And it all painted the same picture that this magical – I mean, imagine how, how um, revealing these findings are. He noticed this peculiar pattern across continents, across countries, across age groups, and across time. All the major factors that there was a massive take-up in, in in deaths during the initial vaccine period, then a lowering of mortality for a couple months thereafter, and then you know further uh, a reversal in mortality after 20 weeks, and then likewise a spike in unvaccinated deaths during the first 18-month take-up, and then the whole thing with the infants. And one of the ways he proved this is that is with the age groups by time. This pattern of bad, good, bad, right? You know, negative, somewhat positive, negative. It was like a traveling target. It started in the older cohorts from February through August. As he traveled, it got younger and younger. And that's literally how the vaccine was released with, with age-stratified eligibility. It's unbelievable. It's, you cannot get beyond these observations. And then there's the kicker. Using the math with all-cause mortality and COVID deaths recorded, he's able to subtract the COVID deaths and then answer the vaccine question. How many people died from the vaccine? Well, you know, we're kind of in despair that we're never going to get that answer because very few of them are recorded. You know, as of today, there's nearly 20,000 reports of death and VARES, 946,000 total injuries, 32,644 reports of permanent disability. But we know there's an underreporting factor by 20, 40 different studies out there, but it's certainly woefully underreported. Doctors tell me all the time they never do it. They get harassed so much it's not worth it. So, what is the death? Well, he was able to figure that out with all cause mortality. His best estimate, you know, there's a range, you know, but if you take the median of his range, it works out to be 168,908. 168,908 vaccine related deaths through August. Notice that was before the boosters. So, pre boosters, that's pr- roughly, you know, it's a large range, and no one has exactly, but what Steve Kirsch was estimating, put it around that range. Now, if if he, I, I wish he would update his uh, study with the boosters. Now it's got to be upwards of 250, 300, who knows? So think about that. Think about that. The vaccine likely caused an extra. I would I would say just off the top of my head fifty thousand. Um. No more than that because that's just in three months. This has been more like a six month ordeal with Delta. With that, De- I'm not counting all the Delta deaths. I'm counting just the excess ones. I feel, you know, probably eighty hundred thousand excess COVID deaths. I would say. And then by now, probably upwards of 250,000 clot shot deaths. Oh, and then it saved some lives. You know, imagine if I create the problem and then I have a partial solution. But the point is, still on net, it's a loser. On net, it is a loser. Okay? Okay. So he his um his point is comparing our estimates with CDC reported theirs suggests theirs' deaths are underreported by a factor of twenty consistent with known theirs under ascertainment uh, bias. What is his punchline now that he was able to do a full risk benefit analysis of COVID and of the shots. Okay, what is his best analysis? So basically what he comes out with, and this is very interesting. And, and, I, and I think in a vacuum, he's right. Again, he's just studying in a vacuum. In a world where the vaccine has already created the ADE, so the virus is more virulent, number one, and number two, ignoring the monoclonal antibodies, ignoring having a doctor that could actually treat you uh, ivermectin, 50 other things, just in a vacuum, meaning this is risking the virus without any protection. And, and, and here's his punchline, and I think, I think this is where the truth lies. In individuals with no previous exposure and natural immunity, the benefits of vaccination appear to um, outweigh the risks in age groups above meaning you you don't you didn't get the virus yet because if you did you have natural immunity you didn't get the virus in age groups above 75 years old okay and the benefits may outweigh the risks in ages above 45 with high occupational risk meaning that you're constantly going to be exposed to it because there's also an issue of exposure you know you know once you get it what's your risk of dying and whatever and i think that's where the truth lies in other words under 45 it for sure is is net negative but again th- and this is not the scope of his study that doesn't even begin to to encapsulate encapsulate the the magnitude of the issue because the reality is we do have treatments we do have the monoclonal antibodies and the reality is the risk of death certainly in the 45 to 70 or so cohort 45 to 65 cohort, is only that much elevated now because we do have the shots. So from a public policy, see, there's two things. There's a question as an individual. You can't change policy. This is what they're doing. They're 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 committing suicide as a civilization, making the virus worse, like Vandenbosch has warned. What do you do as an individual? But then, from a public policy standpoint, we have an obligation to fight this and say, no, this is all negative. Because if we stop this, the virus wouldn't be as much of a problem, and the rest of it we treat with stuff that doesn't cause all-cause mortality, both from the enhancing the virus, from suppressing your immune system for the first few weeks, and from the injuries. Okay? Let's not forget, studies have shown the monoclonal antibodies work preemptively up to eight months. If you would take all these nursing homes where we're endlessly vaxxing them. The seniors that are endlessly going to be on a feedback loop, you know, um, uh, Westphalia, North Rhine, Westphalia, one of the states in Germany, they announced they're going to be giving this every four weeks. And we knew it was headed there. So it's now within the window of negative efficacy, because that's when it's still negative, actually. So the risk of them dying and having debilitated injuries and dying early, and, and again, oh, and one more thing I didn't add to this analysis his analysis is just through August. Very short term. What about long term? What about long term? It doesn't even begin. This is not the first inning of the ball game. Remember, there's be a lot of people, all the people in the cohort where they had good timing, meaning they didn't get COVID during the initial take up, and they got COVID right in the bullseye of vaccine efficacy. And they'll be like, man, I'm sure glad I got it. And in a vacuum, if you isolate that one point, they're right. But again, two things. It wouldn't have been that bad without the viral enhancement. And number two, number two, you have other treatments. Number three, this is just the first inning of the ball game Let me, let me uh, mention to you another study that's out there Trying to find this here. Um, let me just move over here. I got this in my printer. Oh, man. Okay, got it. So this is Belligan Researchers in the Frontiers in Medicine. So it's the journal Frontiers in Medicine, if you want to Google it. Title, Rapid Progression of angioimmunoblastic T-Cell Lymphoma Following... BNT162B2 mRNA vaccine booster shot, a case report. So in other words, they looked at people getting the third Pfizer shot. Here's, I'm going to read to you, it's, it's a tough study. It's an on, on, oncology study. Um, I don't claim to understand all of it, but, but I'll read to you the two paragraphs that are most um, relevant. Considering oncologic patients cancer patients. The most informative study was conducted in a series of 728 patients, pretty large sample size, having received the Pfizer vaccine. PTCT revealed hypermetabolic lymph nodes, hypermetabolic lymph nodes in the auxiliary and um, supraclavicular regions draining the vaccine injection site in 36% of the subjects having received the first dose, and 54% having received the second dose. The hypermetabolic lymph nodes were enlarged in 7% of the first dose vaccines and 18% in the second dose vaccines. Both differences were statistically significant, demonstrating that the impact on draining lymph nodes was greater after the booster dose, confirming confirming data from the meta-analysis above. Again, a lot of people I talked to, I didn't see this coming, but they believe for a number of reasons the booster is worse than anything. So those of you who think, man, you know, I'm destroyed anyway, or my parents are destroyed anyway, they already got the shot. No, I mean, there's a big difference, especially long-term, in terms of teaching your body the anti, uh, original antigenic sin um, with the autoimmune part, but also with the cancer. I mean, every time, it's a greater risk. Regarding the relationship, relationship with the underlying malignancy, Hypermetabolic lymph nodes were considered as malignant in 5% of the patients, while no conclusion regarding the malignant nature could be drawn in 15% of the vaccinees. It's a big percentage, including 16 page patients with lymphoma. Interestingly, in none of these studies, the possibility that the mRNA vaccines could have played a role in the development of malignant lymph nodes was considered. In other words, they had their own study, but they were focusing on other studies that jived with their things. They noticed the enlarged lymph nodes, and they were saying no one ever traced it back to the vaccines when it was obvious. Indeed, the consensus so far is that the occurrence of hypermetabolic lymph lymphadenopathies should not question the safety of MRNA vaccines, neither in healthy individuals nor in patients with neoplastic conditions. To the best of our knowledge, this is the first observation sh- suggesting that administration of a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine might induce AITL progression. Um, again, that's the NGO immunoblastic T-cell lymphoma. Um, several arguments support this possibility. First, the dramatic speed and magnitude of the progression manifested on two... Uh, Whatever, the the 18F FDG PET CT CAT scan performed 22 days apart. Such a rapid evolution would be highly unexpected in the natural course in the disease. And again, I've heard this. Uh, third-hand, through some of the doctors I speak to, speak to oncologists, they're seeing this just random metastatic stuff going on. Since mRNA vaccination is known to induce enlargement and in hypermetabolic activity of draining lymph nodes, it is reasonable to postulate that it was the trigger of the change observed. Indeed, the increase in size and metabolic activity was higher in auxiliary lymph nodes, draining the site of vaccine injection as compared to the contralateral counterparts. Again, this was in the frontiers in medicine. Rapid progression of angioimmunoblastic uh, T cell lymphoma following the shots. So, folks, obviously, when you talk about cancer and autoimmune diseases, that's not something that's going to show up from from a February to August study. So, as as um, damaging as this study from Columbia was to the narrative, it's not nearly as damaging as it is when you take into effect the long term effects and the fact that you don't need to ups- assume most of the risk because we have other treatments. So that is that is why I say we need a tea party. We need a Stalin grid. We need a, a galvanizing moment. Oh, don't mandate it, but it's a good idea. No. These things are poison. These things ha- are, have created a genocide. The lack of treatment is a genocide. and And, and the two go hand in hand together. The virus is horrible because they created it. It's even more horrible because they enhanced it with the vaccines. Let me just give you another piece that jives with this. This guy was a terrific Substack. He goes by the pseudonym Metatron. On Substack, it's COVID Facts Question the Narrative is his uh, newsletter. And he took a look at all-cause mortality in England and Wales. And he looked at it, England and Wales, and he looked, again, at different age groups. And, and what's satisfying is when you have several all-cause mortality studies at different times, different geographies, different age groups, all homing in on the same observations. So he noted, obviously, when you're talking about one to 14-year-old, there was no impact whatsoever on mortality from COVID, right? That obviously we've seen that. Um, And in fact, deaths in one to 14-year-olds have been substantially lower than the previous few years during 2020 and most of 2021. I think some of that is the lockdowns, meaning the lockdowns are going to kill older kids. They're going to kill them later in life, the lack of educational attainment. But a lot of it is like, literally, you didn't have as many cars on the road you didn't have as much travel the you know um what's going to do in a lot of people when you you look at the share of the pie of you know kids kids don't just die it's very rare so it's typically going to be accidents well if you have a shutdown so there's going to be a lot fewer of those that that's that's the best i could (coughs) see as to why it's actually lower but he's not done unfortunately that trend stopped In September of this year, the last couple months. Okay. What began around that time? Well, you say that things were opening up more. Okay, but again. Deaths have risen from 28% below average to 2% above. That doesn't smell right that quickly. Okay, that tells you a lot of them were done in by the shot. Let's go on to 15 to 44-year-olds, um, deaths. Okay, that gives you a little better picture here because it ropes in a lot of adults. 15 to 44-year-old. Deaths begin to diverge ever so slightly above average, um, you know, around the time of the pandemic. Okay, okay. Okay, so around the time of the fe- pandemic, February of, of uh, last year, um, you know, February through April. That's the first wave when people weren't pre- prepared and the pandemic hit people. So, you know, again, it's, it's very minor because very few people died under 45, but a little bit. Okay, then you go on to by May, the epidemic was over in terms of excess deaths. Signaling it was defeated by 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 May in the in the UK, and then excess deaths declined steadily among the 15 to 44 year olds. Um, and by July, um, around half of those excess deaths have disappeared. So that indicates that there was a pull forward, right? Because it all it evened out in the end. So what it means is likely it was. You know, people that for whatever reason in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who did die at that time, um, they had some sort of, uh, you know, they were, for whatever reason, they were at the end of their life. So, you know, you saw a little bit of a pull forward in deaths, but overall, when the year's done, don't really have excess deaths in the 15 to 45 age group. Um, And that's the story. However, this all begins to change in January 2021. What began in January 2021? Well, especially in the UK, the UK had a particularly early and younger take up on the vaccine than we did. So by January, February, you already had a lot of even younger people that got the shots. Very interesting. So then you start seeing, even in the young 15 to 44-year-olds, a very noticeable take-up in excess mortality. This increase in excess mortality has continued to climb to the present day with another observable inflection around September 23, 2021, with the rollout of the boosters. Now, I would argue, I would argue, um, I, I think he's right that it's mainly the, the actual vaccine injury deaths, but I would argue that already people in their 30s and 40s, it, it's not a large percentage, but there are some deaths from COVID that you did not have before. Um, believe me, from what I'm seeing, how vicious this has become, I could totally <coughs> believe it. And indeed, it, <coughs> it is happening. Similar story with 45 to 64-year-olds. Okay, you're getting a little older now. Similar story, but there's notable differences. Number one, there's no apparent deviation from expected mortality in February 2020. Number two, COVID mortality hits one week sooner than the younger age group and finishes two weeks later, okay? And then there appears to be no apparent pull forward in deaths, which means that a lot of those people were healthier Meaning, because then it wasn't the comorbidity, it was even already age, especially as you get to the upper level of that, that it was the COVID deaths. Um, But again, since January 2021, um, it has been increasing at, excess mortality has been increasing. And you can see it has the charts right there. The baselines is unbelievable. Very well done. Now let's go to, for the 65 plus group. Slight deviations in timing, but otherwise the same story. Notably, almost all the excess deaths are in these age groups, which is obvious. It's been well known that that's that's where most of the death is, but same pattern. Okay, same pattern. So again, what this demonstrates all along is that there's immediate take-up in deaths, immediate suppression of your immune system from covid a degree of efficacy for the vaccinated relative to the unvaccinated after it created the enhancement, but we wouldn't have had that because the proof is in the pudding. You compare this to last year, we have 45% more deaths, it makes no sense from COVID. And folks, this is just the first inning of the ball game. This is, I believe, where the truth lies. Kudos to this guy, Metatron. COVID facts question the narrative on Substack. Titled, England and Wales, Pandemic of the Vaccinated. Very well done. Um, I don't know who he is, but um, one of our listeners sent this to me, and it's a terrific piece. And look, I've learned so much from you guys. You guys have sent me a lot of great stuff. I have an article out today on Barrett and Kavanaugh. I've talked about this before. Just going through the argument of oh a state could do the feds can't mandate but a state could do whatever they want and certainly a private business could do yeah right yeah right not by a long shot totally not true i want to end today with a story that is just it's so sad it's so riveting But as we close out the year, it really encapsulates what we're up against and why we need our own Boston Tea Party moment. There's a woman named Lisa Hansen. She committed a crime. No, she didn't knock out a police officer during a riot in Minneapolis. She didn't take down the Christopher Columbus statue in the Minneapolis Capitol building like two people did and didn't serve time in prison for it. They were just let off with just community service. She had the gall to open her restaurant, interchange wine and coffee bistro, in, uh, I forget which county it is, it's actually not even in Minneapolis. That's what's so sad. It's a more conservative area. And um, she is now sitting in solitary confinement. Now, they don't call it solitary confinement, but it is de facto solitary confinement. She was sentenced to 90 days in jail. She is sitting there. And the first 14, they're using COVID as an excuse to basically lock her up as a quarantine. She can only come out of her cell one hour a day at of 24 to take a shower and make calls. Otherwise, nothing else. That is de facto solitary confinement. Freeborn County Judge Joseph Butelt May his name rot in hell. May God strike him dead. This piece of garbage violated every aspect of law. You know, the um, prosecution only recommended 10 days. He gave her 90 days. He said he wanted to make her an example. You're a leader. I want you to look at the juxtaposition of real criminals to patriots, anarchy, and tyranny, so that you understand and I've said this before, the reason why equality under the law is so important, that you might not agree with government intervention in general in a certain sector, but once you have it, if you can't get rid of it, it has to be applied evenly, equally, because then what you have is fascism. It's, okay, it's used as a tool to persecute people. So I, I just deviated a little bit, and we'll get back to the story here, but this is gets back this whole business of like, oh, you know, you can't look at anyone the wrong way without anti-discrimination law. Title Seven. you can you know, you have to allow a cross-dresser and work. Oh, but when it comes to religious liberty, if you have a religious ex- exemption, I don't like regulating private businesses, even though it's straight up in Title Seven. And if you don't believe in Title Seven, fine, but it's there and it's, Regarded in our body politic and law as pretty close to the Constitution, for better or for worse, Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act—that's I mean, what it is. It's right there. Anyone say, "Oh, you know, they could—they could tell whatever." No, you have to offer religious accommodation, unless it really places an undue burden on the business. But this doesn't, because it does. The the vaccine does not sterilize. It, you are, if anything, we've proven you're more of a risk if you have it to other people. If there's any bit of um benefit it would be a personal benefit it's like literally saying you have to uh, eat you know a certain keto diet whatever to to work at my place like i mean how does that affect another person if anything it might have a marginal absolute benefit for yourself i say absolute because on net certainly long term but even short term for many it's actually a net loser even for the person but for that person while actually putting other people in more danger there's certainly no scenario where someone not having a shot endangers someone else because, A, the guy who has the shot is just as much as a danger to that person, and B, that person has the option of getting the shot if it works so well. So then he has the so-called protection, garbage in, garbage out. So you have to apply it evenly. But I, I don't think you understand Minnesota. Nobody serves time in jail anymore. Yeah, but Daniel, this is a political leader of a movement to defy the governor. Okay, so this is a made-up order, and yet there are people, there's this guy that, what's his name? This guy, um, Mike Forcia, admitted to organizing the riot to topple the Christopher Columbus statue. Last week, it was reported the Ramsey County Attorney's Office supported a dismissal, citing a Minnesota policy that favors alternatives to conviction and confinement for people who have no previously who have not been previously convicted of a crime. Well, guess who was never convicted of a crime either, and never engaged in public vandalism either? Lisa Hansen. Okay. Then there's another guy named uh, Brachon Gibson. He is the guy, there's a viral video, you see see it on video, during an August Minneapolis riot, he took a metal trash can lid and knocked out, you know, hit an officer on the head, knocked him out, he had severe damage from it. He pled guilty, and it happens to be that the guy also was charged for a previous incident of throwing large rocks at a police car, and another incident for stealing from a Home Depot at least 10 times. So that guy ain't a first-time offender, Guess what? He was let off with community service and maybe home confinement. Not a day in jail. Not a day in jail. This is where we're at. Minnesota, there's a 300% increase in carjackings. No one serves any time. The police are warning people if someone bangs you in 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 the fender not to get out of your car because of the bump and rob, whatever they call those things. And um, you have 17,355 felony convictions in Minnesota in 2019. Just 3,600 were fully sentenced in accordance with the sentencing guidelines. So these are felonies, and tiny percentage, 15% or so, wound up even getting sentenced, and then they're all released early, but even sentenced at the forefront to to, to uh, time within the guidelines. Yet this person, Lisa in an unprecedented act was sentenced 9 times above what the prosecutor asked for and then she was placed in de facto solitary confinement because they're like covid think about this covid has been used as an excuse as a pretense to let out hundreds of thousands of criminals and not lock up initially. Carjackers, we don't want to spread COVID. So in other words, COVID is used as the fact. They're saying we can't do the typical accommodation. So for violent career offenders, there's stories of guys getting literally revolving doors, carjacking this, mugging this. And they get, so one guy in California was like three times in one day. No, we can't lock up more people because of COVID. So they get more lenient then the typical accommodation when they feel that COVID, for whatever reason, they can't, they're worried about the spread. But with Lisa, it's the other way. Well, we can't give her the typical, so we'll give her solitary confinement. That is emblematic of what we're up against. They make a rule, they say a statement. The same rule that's used to crush us is used to enhance them. The same rule that locks us down, suddenly for BLM, it's not a problem. travel bans on us but the greatest flow of illegal immigration in american history took place during the pandemic that's fascism anarcho-tyranny is fascism see in china they just want i mean it's totalitarianism i would say they want full control they'll go after you if you don't listen to them for whatever reason But they ain't tolerating crime. They ain't tolerating someone toppling statues. They're certainly not tolerating a guy knocking out one of their police officers. Here, at the same time, we have the greatest display of force and power without due process in American history against our people. It is doors wide open for illegals. Empty the jail doors for the most violent prisoners, including those who attack police officers. That, my friends is fascism. Our government does not have a shred of legitimacy to it anymore. If you if you be- say you believe in the Constitution the Declaration, the American Revolution, and you look at me Daniel, oh you can't say that now, then you don't believe in it. Then those things are just antiquated parchment. They mean nothing. If this is not a pretext to get rid of this tyrannical government. I don't know what is. They have killed. Likely, if you look, if you don't, not including injury, if you look, I'm trying to think. They say 800,000 died of COVID. So at least it's, it's safe to say at least 200,000 in the country died of the shots. So I think it's safe to say that we have had a holocaust of a million people killed. This was not a natural occurrence. They created the virus. They enhanced the virus. They blocked every single avenue of treatment. There's a lot of news on that. Tomorrow, our last show is going to be on that. We're going to have Dr. Tess Laurie on from London, one of the leaders in the ivermectin movement, but it's not just about ivermectin. It's about early treatment. She has exposed um, the admission from the WHO, Researcher that basically, yeah, ivermectin works, but I'm in a complicated situation, so I have, to, I have to fabricate the data. So we'll have her on tomorrow. Let me know your questions. Special show. Tomorrow will be our last show of the year. But folks, they created it, they enhanced it, they blocked the treatment. Then they had the remdesivir. And then the shots. When all is said and done, Over a million people died, and that is not from God. As it says at the end of Deuteronomy, the perversion is not his, it's his children's. It's the people that do bad things. Okay, God does not create respiratory viruses that infect everyone and kill that many people. They're either very transmissible, or they're deadly but not that transmissible and very easy to avoid. It's one or the other. Folks, that's just about how it is today. I hope this helps you. Send this to everyone you know. So much important information, but more importantly, let's do something with this. Let's party like it's 1773.